Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hey, y'all, it's Alante, and you're listening to Black and in Grad School, the podcast that helps women and people of color like you excel in this journey. If you're listening, I believe you are an aspiring or current scholar who wants to successfully navigate this process by sharing my experience while pursuing my PhD and interviewing other black graduate students or early career professionals. It is my hope that you can glean encouragement, advice and strategies that you can apply to your journey. Thanks for listening. What's up, y'all? It's Alante back with another episode of Black and in Grad School, and I am excited today. Y'all know I'm always hyped when we have a guest, but today's guest is one of my kinfolk from Detroit, my internet kinfolk. So, Marquise, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Hey, what's going on, Alante? And because we are doing this as the Traders, what up, though? Yes, what up, though? I'm so... <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So, if you are... Um, probably have heard Marquise more than once now. Um, he is definitely, like I said, one of my internet kinfolk. And uh, we recently actually just did an Instagram live on his page. I've been on his podcast, Detroit Worldwide. We're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. But let me give you a little bit of background. So he's an educator by trade and Marquise has devoted his professional career to advocating on behalf of students from marginalized and underserved backgrounds. As a self-identified first-generation college graduate, Marquise recognizes the value of authenticity and the space needed for individuals to express themselves openly without fear of judgment. He currently serves as an advisor and program coordinator at the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, where he supports underrepresented students in STEM through various retention initiatives. He also is a writer. He serves a lot of Black-owned news publications, including Michigan Chronicle and Michigan Front Page, Rolling Out, Minnesota Spokesman Recorder, where he spotlights Black-owned businesses and performing artists. Marquise is committed to authenticity and passion for interviewing, and it has led to the creation of his podcast, Detroit Worldwide, which I just told you all about, highlighting the stories of Detroit natives in industries such as STEM, healthcare, education, and first-generation college ed- uh, graduates. He got his bachelor's of arts degree from Wayne State in Detroit and then he went to he got his MA in higher ed from Eastern Michigan so just a Detroiter through and through I'm so happy that you're here and then we're about to just chop it up about your graduate experience I cannot wait Alante I've been uh, a fan of yours for a number of years and have listened to the episodes and I'm excited to be here thank you for having me Oh, absolutely. I couldn't imagine talking to anybody else right now. So I'm happy. So you talk about like, even in your bio sharing, like how important it is for people to be authentic and to, you know, uh, explore without fear of judgment, being their authentic selves. And so was that a part of your decision making when you chose higher ed for a career? I would say so. And one of the reasons for that is because, uh, as you read my bio, I graduated from Wayne State University, but I was conditionally admitted into Wayne State University. 
Um, this was back in, I'm dating myself here, 2003. So I came in through the DCE program and okay. which at the time, um, the apex is not an apex program. So the vision of community education yes. uh-huh. and, um, came in through that program 2003 and was conditionally admitted. And one of the reasons that I devoted my life to just serving students is I was a peer mentor for that program, worked with those students and also my high school experience. I coming out of high school, just to give a recap on that very briefly, I graduated high school. I don't even want to say graduate. I mean, I did walk across the stage, but uh, 1.9 GPA, 13 on the ACT. I had very short-sighted vision of what life would look like for me after high school. So as a result of that, I really wanted to focus on individuals who were in search of goal setting, you know what I'm saying? So um, being at Wayne State and being able to emerge as a leader, it really led me to pursue education as a career. And I'm happy to have been in this career for the past, you know, seven or eight years professionally. And it's been a dope experience. I love that. And I think I also enjoy just hearing these stories because I feel like people assume that the people who go to graduate school were valedictorians and, you know, these perfect high school, college students. Um, And that's just not always true. And I think that's super dope that you already like you found a space that really you were passionate about through the peer mentorship. What was it about the peer mentoring specifically that were like, you know what, I know I can do this for a living. You know, it was interesting about that. And you might know this individual um, when you were working at Wayne State. When I was in the program itself, uh, before me coming to the peer mentor, I would see um, black men who were advisors. And one of my homeboys, who you may or may not know, Daryl Gardner, he was one of the advisors. Yeah, that's the homie right there. He was one of the advisors of the program. And just seeing him, Daryl isn't uh, too much older than me, but just seeing him represent Wayne State, he's also a graduate of Wayne State as well, just represented it positively. So the, the peer mentoring program was more or less about me wanting to give back to incoming first-year students who are coming in who are just like me, whether they're coming from your high school cast or my high school mm-hmm. at Redford or Cody or Henry Ford, wherever they might have come from, I just really wanted to be like, yo, this is a place where you can thrive because when you think about Wayne State within the context of the institutions that are in Michigan, you have the University of Michigan, you have mm-hmm. Michigan State and Wayne State mm-hmm. is there. But not a lot of people, maybe this has changed, but people weren't really checking for Wayne State. I remember going yeah. to orientation and, you know, a young lady was like, I want to transfer to uh, Howard, I'm about to transfer to state. I'm just hearing all these people just talking about all the places they wanted to go to. And Wayne State was that place where I kind of bloomed where I was planted. And that's mm-hmm. why I just go so hard for Wayne State because so many people kind of look down on it within the context of the schools that are in Michigan. is a great school. Many uh, graduates have come from that illustrious institution. So, but again, going to the peer mentoring is just connecting with students, students who come from your, went to your high school, students who went to my high school, other high schools in the D and in the state of Michigan. Yeah, that's so dope. And shout out to Daryl. Like he, 
when well when I met him, he was like involved in math core, and that's how mm-hmm. I know him was in math core. So it's just also like so amazing to hear like the type of influence he had, you know, expanding beyond like you know in my head he's a math core guy. So that's really <laughs> really cool. How did you know like the graduate? Uh, how did you know to go to graduate school for higher ed? Like wh- who told you, how did you know that was the correct next step? <laughs> That's a funny uh, question you asked that. So as I was transitioning out of undergrad, I wanted to become like a high school counselor. But then um, funny story with that is I'm talking to my undergraduate advisor and we're just kind of having an advising conversation. So, like, you know, what? you'll be a really good advisor. And I don't know if she's just telling me this to get her get me out of her office. I don't know. Um, I still talk to her so I can maybe ask her. But um, I learned that in order to become an advisor, which I wanted to become at the time, and I still am an advisor, you had to go to graduate school. So people like Daryl and other people who were in their office, I kind of like pick their brain and like learn from them like, yo, um, this is what I want to do. This is the uh, career pathway that I want to choose. And they're like, yo, you probably have to go to a graduate school. I mean, at the time, there are ways that you probably could have done it without having a graduate degree. But I knew mm-hmm. um, that's what I needed to do more often than not, especially when you like looking at the job post and like, yo, you need a graduate degree and three to five years experience. Like, man, I ain't got none of that. I just let me go ahead and get this degree first. <laughs> right. <laughs> and just right. kind of go from there. But the peer mentoring, again, it gave me that foundation to want to do that. And then going to Eastern, it just solidified that. Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's perfect though. Right. You recognize one, someone recognized the greatness in you. It's so amazing. Right. When someone who's doing the job that, you know, you now have, but before you even thought of it as an option, cause you were thinking of a high school counselor like actually, you know, your gifts and talents bring you to this space. And so like, we have to always have a moment to appreciate those who like affirm our gifts and talents and like encourage us to like, take it up a notch. And then you took it into your own hands, right? Talking to individuals that you knew, asking them, you know, what is the path? What does this look like in order to do, you know, what it is that I want to do? And then acting on it, right? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes we can hear the path and then like either decide to make our own or like, I don't know, sometimes not necessarily decide to try another route, which like is okay too. But Mm. you know, you found the path. You're like, let me get on it. You read job postings. I think that's something that we have to also think about is like when you're thinking about the career that you want, look at job postings before you go to grad school. If, If it's saying you don't need a graduate degree, maybe, you know, take that into consideration unless you're getting a grad degree for some other reason or some for some future position. But again, looking at those job postings, I think is really, really key as well. So tell me about your experience at Eastern. I think you're the first person I'm interviewing who went to Eastern for a grad. Oh, no, my mom went to Eastern. So okay. besides my mom, <laughs> um, she did, she started her PhD actually, uh, but she decided to stop. But anyways, mm-hmm. Tell me what it was like doing your master's at Eastern. What was your experience as a black graduate student there? You know, it's funny. And I think about things in terms of like sports sometimes. So mm-hmm. me being a conditionally admitted student in the Wayne State and graduating, it was almost like winning my first championship. Yes. And then I heard that I don't necessarily care for this person, but uh, Michael Jordan once said, like, you know, it's good to get one, but you got to get another one to kind of solidify yourself. 
So mm-hmm. I kind of looked at it like that, like, yo, I already got one championship. Let me get this other one. So going to Eastern was more or less like reproving myself because I had known people who had gone there for undergrad and Eastern. Um, maybe I'm not sure what the reputation they had when you was younger, but Eastern uh, from the undergrad perspective, people were just talking about going up there for parties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Luckily I was in my mid twenties. So I wasn't like doing all that. I was kind of focused, but just kind of transitioning there. It's really just I had to grasp a lot of different things because in the education program, um, you have to learn to write a different style of writing, APA writing. Mm -hmm. I'm an English. I have an English degree. So I've been writing MLA for better part of my undergraduate career. So I had to adapt to that. I'm trying to find community. I can remember being in one of my intro class I think of like intro to student affairs class and like seeing how many black people were in there. And there was a few of us in there. but really trying to like gravitate toward that community and also just the city itself. I was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan at the time. And luckily, um, you know, having a spouse who went to the university of Michigan or we were dating at the time, I knew a lot about the area, which helped me to feel comfortable in that regard, but just Eastern itself, just trying to find, um, different people that I can connect with, whether it be mentors. I was able to make some really good friendships at the time. So it was more or less like one reproving myself, but at the same time, just trying to figure out what's next. I think I was 26, I think, when I started grad school. So I was still mm-hmm. growing, maturing as a person. <laughs> sure, sure. Of course. I, I want to take two steps back for those of you all listening who aren't from Michigan, right? A lot of this conversation is very organic to me. I'm like, I know where <laughs> Eastern is, et cetera. So Wayne State is in Detroit, like smack dab, you know, now Midtown, old Cass Corridor, <laughs> Detroit, right outside of downtown. Mm-hmm. Whereas Eastern is pretty much like right before you get to University of Michigan. So mm-hmm. it's like, what, one or two exits away, maybe three from Michigan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like it is night and day because I have also been to an Eastern party <laughs> when I was an undergrad, <laughs> like for the holidays. So, like that is what I know it for too. Oh, and my best friend went to, actually went to Eastern. So, uh, episode ooh, it's in the it's in the nineties or the early hundreds. Uh, I think it's in the nineties or eighties. My best friend Ashley, she got her first master's actually from Eastern at Ed Site. That's dope. But yeah, yeah. So. That is what I, yeah, I knew it for, for that as well before my mom and Ashley went. So what I, I feel like the mentorship piece is something I think everyone always wants to know about. Like, what was your relationship with your advisor like? Um, and how did you identify mentors um, at Eastern or like in that time in your life? You know, it was interesting, Alante, the same hunger that I had in undergrad of being a conditionally admitted student, I applied that same hunger to being an Eastern. And I can remember like talking to my advisor even before I got admitted. I remember going to open houses and like, I'm Marquise Taylor and this is who I am. And just really being, um, I don't want to say forceful or aggressive, just really just being assertive and like, yo, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a job at the time. I mean, kind of, um, you know, a personal thing. Like the reason I left Detroit and I'm kind of disclosing this on this podcast in the sense of being vulnerable. Um, at that time, this was what, 2010. So this is about literally 10 years ago. And one of the reasons I left the D is because our family had gotten evicted from our home. So okay. I didn't have a place to stay. I mean, I had a place to stay once I got 
up there. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was like, yo, I got to do something because, you know, this ain't it. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. So as far as like finding mentors and things like that, and even a relationship with my advisor, I just kind of like, this is what I'm interested in. I'm all about like helping black identify students. I want to um, amplify the stuff that I was doing at Wayne State as a student leader and peer mentor. And I looked for GA ships um, that kind of allowed me to do that. So my GA ship, my graduate assistantship, that gave me the opportunity to really um, build on what I had done at Wayne State. And from there, I was that type of person when we would have guest speakers in class, I would stay after or like ask them for their information. Like, yo, especially if I feel like they were um, about something or they were like a a black person that was really helping students. I'm like, yo can I get your number? Can I go out to lunch? Stuff like that. I had mentors in Michigan. I had mentors at Eastern uh, Washington community college. I was like that dude trying to (laughs) figure out what was what, because again, like at that time of my life, um, you know, facing eviction or experiencing eviction and just trying to figure life out. Like I said, I was 26 years old. It was like, and I'm thinking like, yo, this is literally 10 years ago because I'm 36 right now. Like, all this stuff literally happened in 2010. So mm-hmm. I'm grateful, but also like I, I'm I'm glad that, you know, the Lord put it in me to like have that drive and to be assertive, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and one, thank you for sharing that with us because I know even people listening, you're not the only one, you know, who's had a similar situation that really, you know, put some fire in your belly, right? Like this is not going to be a situation, you know, for me and my family again, and I'm going to see to it by taking advantage of this opportunity in front of me. And so I absolutely commend you. And I think you already shared some nuggets in there. Like you first, you know, knowing that since you already had a a plan and idea of a career path, you went into your graduate experience looking for new opportunities that build on what you already started with your peer mentorship um, with, you know, kind of, in, in some points, I, w- I would think of it as just like advisor training, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like staying after for talks. <laughs> like I'm taking that note for myself because <laughs> that is definitely, I'm like the first one out the room. But um, <laughs> staying after, meeting people, asking additional questions, asking them to lunch, you know, really developing those relationships is really important. And um, it sounds like you just really capitalize on the, on the time you had. And like you said, you know, trying to reprove or prove yourself again (laughs) after you got your first, your first championship ring. So Mm -hmm. I think that is really, really incredible, honestly. Um, and something that we hadn't talked about at length. So it's really cool to like hear more about your, your story. And, um, this will be the last thing I kind of ask you about grad school because we have some other really cool things to talk about because you are done, you know, you are now have a a career, but I want to know like, how did you balance your life, your academic responsibilities? Sound like, you know, you were dating, maybe planning for marriage, living, you know, moving away from home and maybe having to help manage kind of the, the, the after effects of eviction or anything else like that. How did you manage those things with your academic responsibilities? I mean, I'm that type of person and kind of going off of what you said on the Instagram live, I thought my life was going to be planned out. Like I'm going to be married by 26, 27. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't get married until I was 30. So go figure. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I say all this to say is like being flexible with my plans. 
just as far as I, I had to do a lot. I'm just thinking back to it and, and this I'm interesting. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I was, and you probably know this, you know, as a, as a PhD student, I had like, shoot, three or four jobs. I was substitute teaching. Wow. I had an internship. I had my GA ship and just other stuff. Like I remember, you know, testing, helping people administer tests for like the LSAT and the GRE. I was out there grinding, like yes. whatever I had to do, I had to do it. You know what I'm saying? So I was really that person that like sought out opportunities, but I also like, yo, I can't be broke. Like I know I'm not mm -hmm. as, I wasn't as fresh as I was uh, back then as I am now. I mean, I'm still not that fresh, but <laughs> I say all this to say that I just wanted to make sure that I was comfortable and just balancing life. I know I went through, had experienced some setbacks, like, you know, deaths in the family, yeah. um, even relationship issues, things like that. Um, and again, I was in my mid 20s, so it wasn't like I knew everything. Hell, I still don't know everything now and I'm in my mid 30s, but I was just trying to like navigate life, uh, especially like as a black man and just trying to figure it out. You know, I, it's, yeah. I, I just, I thank God, I guess <laughs> that's the only thing I can really say. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I love it. Cause what comes to mind is like, oh my God, he is truly from Detroit. Detroit folk, we do not like being broke. I promise. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, if anything, you know, if y'all learn anything from this particular episode, Detroit folk, no, we do not do broke. We will grind. We will hustle to make the ends meet and to make sure that, you know, a hair, not a hair out of place, not a shirt unironed, you know what I'm saying? Not OD all the time, but make sure we look okay. And we not, we got some money in our pocket. So that is incredible that you kind of, it sounds like super hyper-focused, um, but still definitely, like you said, flexible with, flexible with your plans, allowed for space, uh, allowed space for things to happen, for you to learn, for you to grow. And, and now that you're on the other side, right, like you've clearly finished graduate school, you are in your career, you know, what has been the most fulfilling part of uh, your role as an advisor uh, in Minnesota? I would just say coming to Minnesota, Following graduation, I can remember mm -hmm. vividly applying for multiple jobs. I went, I went to Ohio, Illinois, <laughs> Michigan, Indiana. Yeah. I went to like all these places to try to find jobs for like, you know, having interviews at these places. But it just so happens that Minnesota hired me. And what's funny about that, I think I kind of disclosed this on our IG live, like a couple of things led me to Minnesota. One, one of my good friends who actually went to grad school with me. She had gotten married and she moved to Minnesota um, like right after we graduated. So I, that's the one mm -hmm. person I knew. And then the other thing, as I disclosed on the IG Live, I'm a big Prince fan. So I was like, yo, Prince in Minnesota, I'm going to be leaving Minnesota. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I actually remember saying this in my job interview. And after that, I'm like, shit, I actually got that job. <laughs> but I said I was a Prince fan. But. <laughs> I say all this to saying to get to your question, the most rewarding part is just being in a new environment. I mean, I didn't seek out trying to leave. It just so happens that at the time when I was looking for jobs, there weren't many opportunities in our home state. So I had to like venture elsewhere and cast a wider net. And that most fulfilling part is just being here. But at the same time, 
sort of building that network and connecting with the students. And it lets me know, like, my skills are transferable. The same students I was working with who went to the University of Michigan or uh, Eastern or Wayne State, you know, these students were coming from the D and I'm applying some of those same principles that the students who are coming from like Minneapolis, St. Paul, Milwaukee, Chicago. It just lets me know, like, Detroit, we can make it anywhere. Put us anywhere. I said this yes. uh, before, you know, um, and you probably can speak to this being um, your undergrad. I mean, well, you've been in three different states, but, you know, the quote the Jay-Z line, um, put us on anywhere on God's green earth with triple artwork. And the Detroiters, we can just make it anywhere. Um, yes. So that's that's been the most fulfilling part, just connecting with the students, building their relationships and really capitalizing or I wouldn't say capitalizing, just really just building off of everything that I've done to date and like my passion for helping people. Yes. Yes. I love, I'm just like getting all the good vibes and feels from this. <laughs> just like as, uh, I, and it's not even like I haven't talked to other folks from Detroit, but I think just you and I kind of connected on the Detroit piece. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, like, yes, writers yeah. is like, absolutely flourishing in a new environment. And like you said, I, I, I know this because like uh, my grandfather is from Minnesota. You and I have talked about that and he's from St. Paul. So I know there's like a, a black like group, a black, a black community in, in Minnesota. And, and a lot of mm-hmm. the world knows now, um, especially after the George Floyd killing. So I think it's really awesome to hear like how you've kind of been able to relate to the students there the same way that you've been able to relate. You would have related to somebody who's from Detroit who has like a similar, you know, a more, a more like, I guess, like identical background to you. So that's really amazing. And I'm happy to hear that. And you talk about like staying connected. And even though you don't live in Detroit, we, I shared a bunch of like Detroit uh, or Michigan-based places that you write for. And so mm-hmm. tell me how you developed this kind of this creative side while still keeping your full-time job as an advisor. Yeah, I mean, briefly, it started in high school. When I was in high school, even though my grades were not the best, writing is what kept me in there. Um, I don't think I've ever shared this with you before, but I used to do music. I used to spit. So um, that's why I'm probably so trying to, I'm not as close to the microphone. Maybe I'll drop some bars later. Not mine in particular, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, when I was in high school, I used to write about music and stuff. So like when I was in high school, the big album that was popping was the Jay-Z, the first blueprint. Um, I remember writing up for that uh, article. That was my first published article in the Michigan Chronicle, which is the uh, oldest black publication or one of the oldest black publications in the nation. Um, was able to do that. And I did it all throughout undergrads. Again, I had to keep some money in my pocket somehow. So writing allowed me to do that. And I recently picked it back up last year. So after a 10 year hiatus, I was able to get back into writing and writing for the Minnesota Spokesman Recorder. I forgot how much I missed it. The podcast um, actually brought me back to writing because it's like the storytelling, but it's something about writing. It's such an intimate experience. Be able to like tell those stories and the words, they don't come from me. They like come from a divine place that I can't like speak of. It's just such a therapeutic, relaxing sort of thing. And I just, I think a lot, I love writing 
just a, a more well just as much if not more than i do with podcasting because again it's my my first love whether it was writing a rhyme to writing an article to like interviewing people i just love telling black stories mm, yeah man rub some of that off on me <laughs> <laughs> this love of writing i think that's beautiful but i i i get it like it's it's sometimes funny how different trying different things like you know you doing starting your podcast kind of brought you back to writing right and it's two mm-hmm. different mediums and some might see like some might think that's like a bit of a jump but like the core of it is though telling black stories you know empowering black voices which you do really and now that I'm, I'm saying it out loud I'm thinking about it you do all day right like you are empowering your black students um, in the same way that you are empowering black folks and black businesses or black artists through your writing and and black folks in Detroit through your podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Storytelling. That's what it's all about. I'm a content yeah. creator at my core. I'm a coach. I'm so many different things, but the core of me, I just love telling black stories. I love black people. My name is Marquise. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Black, black. For sure. <laughs> I, I feel you. So what, speci- I, I guess you kind of have stayed a little bit in the music space because I've definitely seen, um, I know you sent me some things and I, I definitely read those, but also like because we're friends on Instagram and other places, I see your articles and I've read the work that you do and you kind of, you, it seems like you do kind of lean in the business or like artist space. And what is it about those particular stories that are moving for you? Yeah. I mean, the business. And you're probably learning a lot more stuff about me than um, before. But I actually come from a family of entrepreneurs. My um, family owned record stores in the city of Detroit. So my dad, way back in the 80s and early 90s, he had a record store on the west side, uh, Livernois, Six Mile area. And then my uncle, who was my uh, mother's uh, uncle. Uh, who would be like my great uncle, I guess. He owned a record store and then my cousin. So I actually worked for my cousin's record store uh, from the time I was 16 years old to the time I was about 19. So this was uh, back in the early 2000s. And he had his record store also on the west side, Livernois, Six Mile, not too far from the University of Detroit Mercy. So mm-hmm. both sides of my family, we have come from um, entrepreneurs. So it was in my blood. So I love supporting Black businesses as best as I can. And music, I mean, again, I used to do music when I was in middle school to the time I was like a grown ass adult. I, hip hop hip hop, and rap is just something that's been, it's just so ingrained in me, you know, the R&B and stuff too, but just like black music. So to mm-hmm. me, those things, I'm like living out um, my passions, but also um, just telling those stories. That's what it all begins. I'm, I'm a person that, still love to like get into a notebook and just write something. I'm old school. I can't like type something on the computer. I got to just write it out first. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa. That's so cool. That's so cool. And, and so I see now like the ties to music, the ties to entrepreneurship and, and like, so now I want to know then where, and then I, I, then you you shared even before your, your devotion to like, black students and then also like you know how much you enjoyed your Wayne State experience is that was that some of the inspiration behind Detroit worldwide like why did you pick Detroit beyond the obvious right like it's home (laughs) 
But like, <laughs> what was, why did you think it was really important that you were sharing like Detroit stories? Being in Minnesota, personal story. Um, some of the people I connected with, um, one of my first friends, like really good friends in Minnesota, they were from Detroit. We just kicked it. We vibed out. Those are our people. Um, we just clicked up. My friend, even though she isn't from um, Detroit per se, she's still from Michigan. So it was still like the idea of telling those stories. And then you probably know this, um, being out of state and, you know, the many places you've been, people just always talking shit about Detroit. Excuse my language. Ooh, and yeah. um, to paraphrase something you said, Detroit is that place where everybody knows where it's at. They always got something to say about it, but they try to test you, but they don't want to do it. I'm just kind of paraphrasing what you yeah, said yeah, on yeah, our yeah. podcast interview. <laughs> so, and then also something about me is that every time I'm out and about, I always have on my Tigers hat or my Pistons mm-hmm. jersey, stuff like that. I think Detroit is one of those places where, and I don't know if people from New York or Chicago get this, but like I get this more often than not when I do have on my Tigers hat. Like, you from the D? Even here in Minnesota. And they just yeah. start asking me all these questions. So I say all this to say that I want instead of me talking about my experience, because everybody that's been on the podcast has different lived experiences. What would it mean for us to kind of talk about Detroit from the perspective that we know it as that black excellence? And again, paraphrasing yeah. some of the things that you said, Detroit was Wakanda before we knew what it was. And these are things that I knew about, but I, you appreciate it more when you leave. Like the fact that I said mm-hmm. that my uh, uncle owned record stores and my dad, and even like I learned a few years ago that my granddad had a gas station. Like people don't understand how much black excellence is in Detroit and love to, yeah. you know, Minneapolis and St. Paul. But I know St. Paul just had their first black mayor elected. Mm-hmm. That's that's something we known for years. Like he was elected exactly. a few years ago. Like I know who Comey Young is. You know, this person is kind of controversial, but Kwame, I remember, you yes, know, Kwame yes. or whatever. But <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that we know what it means to see people that are black in positions of power. And mm-hmm. what's cool about that, and it was cool kicking in with you and the people we've had on the podcast is that regardless if they're in LA, if they're in Pittsburgh, like you, or if they're in Atlanta or New York, they know what Detroit means to them and how it influenced the way that they see the world. So to me, it's no better way than to tell it by having people talk about those stories and to sort of amplify that black excellence that we know about. Yes. I, mean, I couldn't agree more. Like I, I remember like us talking about your podcast as pretty much how we got connected. Shout out to Arnande, actually. Um, she was li- on the live. He came on. I think I saw 313. I probably was like, oh, I see 313. And then, like, that was it. And we were able to connect from from that. But um, I remember you telling me the idea, and I was like, yo, that's so dope. Like, I mean, I love Detroit, like, down. And I think it did take me leaving Detroit for me to appreciate it. Um, but you've been interviewed, like, really dope people. Shout out to, like, Aya, who's also going to be on the podcast soon. And, um, Phil, Phil Lewis, who like, I feel like he's like just very much like that millennial, well-known Detroiter, <laughs> yeah, the writer yeah. for Huffington Post. And I was like yeah. so hyped for you when, uh, when that interview released, like, oh shit, like Phil, Phil Lewis is on his podcast, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I definitely like, and am so, I really enjoy like just talking to folks who like 
recognize the importance of Black stories and then finding these different niches, right? Black businesses and then Black musicians and then like Detroiters. And we do have this very special perspective on like the Black experience of coming from Detroit that um, I think gets lost a lot once you're outside of the outside of the city limits um, mm-hmm. because of the way people portray the city. So, you know, it's nothing but love over here on this side. Like it, <laughs> for people who listen, like I, I hope you hear, like, I think sometimes people hear my twang, but Marquise got the full Detroit, like <laughs> the whole drunk, like he got the whole thing. Um, so I'm also just appreciating that. <laughs> like, I feel I like I'm, well, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say I gotta say something because you brought her name up, Aya. So yeah. we did an episode, and what's funny yeah. about that, I let her listen to a few of um, the episodes, and I can't remember which one in particular that she listened to. But she like, yeah, I can tell that Detroit accent. I hear it in your yeah. voice, and the people that you interview, I'm like, dang. So <laughs> it let me know like we actually do have an accent, and that people actually recognize our vernacular. <laughs> yes absolutely absolutely like we got our own special thing and i love it um but it's just like hearing yours is like yes he is from detroit y'all like for sure um and people sometimes think we sound southern and i love to remind folks too that detroiters are black folk from the south just oh, up yeah. north like, oh, yeah. <laughs> great migration is how black folk got to detroit so oh yeah uh there's a lot of Southern, to me, a lot of Southern elements to Detroit culture, but that's a whole other conversation. I don't want us mm-hmm. to get too much into that. But um, I think that that's amazing for you as a content creator, again, amplifying Black voices, um, empowering Black people in, in every facet of your of your world, really, I think is super, super amazing. And I want to thank you for the work that you do. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for the work that you do as well. I mean, I told you before, on and offline, I really wish this space existed when I was in grad school because I sure would have been on these boys, like listening and getting tips and how to apply for conferences and stuff like that. Yeah. I would have been on there so tough. <laughs> look, look, we're just trying to help the people out. But before we go um, or, you know, switch to our last couple segments, I want to ask you, is there any like last advice you want to give to any of our listeners? Anything um, that maybe I didn't ask you that you want to share? Two things I want to get people to think about number one and they kind of go hand in hand is the bloom where you are planted. Mm-hmm. I am a graduate of Wayne state university and I was conditionally admitted in the Wayne state university. Everything that I am, everything that I do now, it would not exist. I work at the university of Minnesota again, conditionally admitted 1.9 coming out of high school. The school that I work at and the schools I have worked at would have never have admitted me coming out of high school. But here I am helping our students. Bloom where you planted. Second thing, be the best version of yourself. I know with social media and stuff, we get so caught up in this imposter syndrome. Like, I wish I was doing this. This person got this many downloads. This person got this many likes and stuff that they're doing. But if you focus on being the best version of yourself, the world, I feel like, would be a better place. And again, it goes hand in hand with bloom where you're planted because Minnesota isn't an ideal destination for many people. But I'm here, but I'm making the most out of that experience. But again, it started with me being at Wayne State, carried over to Eastern, and everything that I am, I wouldn't be doing the stuff that I'm doing if it wasn't for Wayne State University taking that chance on me because. I can't stress this enough. 1.9, I took a nap on my ACT exam. So 
<laughs> that's what goes to show you how much I gave a, a damn about life after high school. So mm. that's that's my advice there. <laughs> That's real. That's real. I appreciate that. I think that's beautiful, beautiful advice and just a great story, like for real to hear today. And I feel like I've learned so much more like Marquise, you know, in my head, we don't, I mean, you are the homie like already, but like, it's so interesting every time I interview someone who I've never met, but really is like my friend, like, like we have never met a person. COVID messed up our plans. We were supposed to do this uh, conference with Dr. Eve. Shout out to Dr. Eve, who mm-hmm. also is going to be on the podcast, or you probably already listened to her, her, her episode by now. But it was going to be awesome. But, you know, COVID. So we'll have to wait till <laughs> next year. So, as you know, I end every episode with my guests with lessons from the trap. I know you got a couple of them. So let me know what you got. You know, I love this segment. And when you came on the podcast, because we do this a similar segment where I ask people to identify their song that best rep, rep, best represents Detroit. So I love it. Two songs from one artist. Um, although this person has made some questionable decisions in the way that they do their child rearing, um, <laughs> I still, you know, rock with their early stuff. Maybe not so much the personal stuff, but again, I don't get into people's personal life. Mm-hmm. So this one hole is very high regard for me. This is coming from T.I. and it's off the album Urban Legend. And this album came out when I was 20 years old. I think it came out around uh, the, the, the holiday season. But I just remember vividly because T.I. had just got out of jail. Well, he'd been in jail a couple of times, but this is one of the big times he got out of jail. <laughs> and he came out with the Urban Legend album. So this, I think, is the third song on there, Motivation. So mm-hmm. the bars that were like really resonate with me and I, I kind of hold in a high regard. I think it's the first verse. I'm just going to spit some of it or just recite it. You know, he said, you can look me in my eye, see I'm ready for whatever. Anything don't kill me, make me better. I ain't dead. You can take the fame and the cheddar and the game, any deal. And I'm still a go getter. So I think about that just in terms of like where I've been and, you know, what I've been able to accomplish and experience and even going off of that, the album before that trap music is a song on there. I think it's uh, Be Easy. Um, I'm going to sit a couple of bars there. I'm 22 in the vet in the game. I'm super cool and still the threaded the same. And I'm the rest of it is kind of derogatory. <laughs> but okay. I say gotcha. all this to say <laughs> that, you know, the exterior of people from the D, you know, we cool, but we still a threat. And that threat can mean you know, in life, not that we trying to hurt you or anything like that, just don't underestimate us. And even with the motivation, um, you know, having that motivation, you know, get on your job or the course or whatever, but just having that motivation is still in you. Again, shout out to T.I. I don't know about his child rearing practices. That's a different conversation for another day. But when I was a young man growing up, that was my soundtrack. Both of those albums, the urban legend and trap music, that's what really got me going. I love it. I love it. Yes. We, sometimes we have to separate the artist from the person, <laughs> the person. So uh, Marquise, thank you so much. Tell us where we can follow you on social media. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Alante. I appreciate that. Um, you can find me on social media. You can hit me up on the gram. Um, M Taylor three, one, three. You can actually follow the podcast, Detroit worldwide podcast or at Detroit worldwide podcast on the Instagram 
available on all streaming platforms. So the same place that you are listening to this podcast, you can listen to Detroit Worldwide as well. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, mtaylor313, and then what's the handle for the pod? Oh, Detroit World Pod on Twitter as well. I'm a LinkedIn person. I mean, hit me up on LinkedIn. Well, I don't know if you can find me. There's so many Marquise Taylors, but probably none as dope as me. But, um, you know, look me up. All right, y'all. Well, I will include all of those links in the show notes that you can go connect with Marquise wherever you want and take a listen to the podcast. Again, Marquise, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Keep up the good work. Thanks. You too. For more content to help you on your grad school journey, check out blackandgradschool.com. That's B-L-K-I-N gradschool.com. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.